it's just Anu here today and I'm recording this really just to get some things off my chest I guess and speak to you if you resonate with the title of the episode which is feeling lost in your 20s. I think a lot of us can probably relate to the feeling or at least it's definitely crossed our minds once or twice. Um, to start off with, if you're listening to this, hi, I'm, I'm glad you're here. If you don't know about our podcast and why we started it, just a bit of quick background information. We, we really started the podcast because we wanted to give a warm hug virtually to anyone that wants to know more about self-development, career growth, doing a job you love, getting a job, that, that's quite challenging, especially at the moment. I mean, these are very complicated topics, but I'm hoping if we take you through a step-by-step journey, give you lots and lots of tips, resources, links, that's really the best we can offer. You know, we're not work coaches, and I think sometimes I have in the past really struggled with the specific identity of the podcast. Um, Are we a podcast about recruitment? No. (laughs) Neither me nor my co-host, we, we don't work in the recruitment agent uh, kind of industry, so that's that's not our spiel. Are we a podcast about career success stories? Nah, not really. Because I think the world is full of career success stories. We we hear about the Forbes 30 before 30 list, we hear about award season, we hear about honorary titles being handed out. The the world is I will argue to some extent oversaturated with the recognition of specific career stories when actually sometimes the biggest definition or the most resilient examples of success is when you really feel like you've got no direction left and you decided to get up another day and keep going. I don't think you can have any bigger indicator of success than the fact that you chose to keep going. I think the reason why I'm careful not to call this a specific careers podcast all the time and I have tried to speak about personal development and mental health and how you feel about yourself, how you interact with the world around you is because I have really become influenced that way and you are of course allowed to disagree with me but but for me I very much grew up thinking your work life is a completely separate section of your life and if you wake up in the morning you have a shower you get your power outfit on you're playing really incredible inspirational music you make that coffee you get your briefcase and you leave the door you power walk and i thought that was this whole mindset about a career that isn't you know driven on adrenaline and working hard all the time and there's so many things that i've had to kind of unlearn in in that aspect so yeah i'm hoping what i'm going to do for this episode is essentially take you through my 20s so far and talk about 
my career journey, I guess, and and then hopefully give you some some insights. So first off, um, in your early twenties, you are possibly at university, and if you are not at university, then you are. I'm presuming you're pursuing career paths that I will not have the necessary knowledge to speak on because that's not my area of expertise. You know, whether you've done an apprenticeship, whether you're working on something vocational, whether you are in a grad scheme straight from school and you've been recruited with specific skills that you're going to undergo some training for. There's so many routes into career paths. I really didn't believe in that per se when I was younger. So I will say my influence to go to university was because I was so afraid of the alternative. And it kind of sucks to admit that to whoever might be listening to this one day, <laughs> but a lot of my early 20 life decisions are very motivated by fear, not by success or by passion. Just really really terrified of doing something wrong. So I I went to school with the goal of um, attending a prestigious university and the way that my career path was always mentioned to me was very linear do really well at school get really good grades get into a phenomenal university then get a job but then at that point the conversation kind of pauses when when you're in school I don't think enough people speak to you about life beyond that first step into the working world and what that might look like. And it does a disservice because it almost restricts the imagination that we might have about how we want to design our careers. Um, so when I finished school, I, I always knew that I was very interested in communication subjects. They're definitely my strong strength and and I was interested in the public sector and the influence that it has on people's lives and just just something that was meaningful that was really it for me and something that felt interesting so I decided to apply for political science in between finishing school and starting university I had a gap year um, and it was a very random gap year so I will give you I will probably do a separate episode discussing gap years with a variety of people because I do believe if you can incorporate some form of structure in your gap year, if you're looking at it from a career's point of view, I think that will be beneficial. Um, so when I did my politics degree, I really went into it because based off of the logic that this is something I enjoyed studying at school, so I would by default enjoy studying more of it when I got to university. That is true to some extent. Like I did enjoy the concepts and the interesting discussions that came out of my degree. But I really wish that these degrees, the social sciences degrees, have more programs which allow for the practicalities of the working world to be incorporated into them. So, you know, for example, if you start off as in a politics degree and then you want to become a political analyst or you want to become a political researcher a lot of it is down to some really high quality applications you'll have to make and the competition is so fierce 
and to stand out you really have to be able to say that you have contributed to some form of research you have some solid examples of project participation and i'm going to say participation not management because how can you how can you be in project management phase when you're still you know 18 19 years old at university so just the idea that you have been involved in in opportunities where you can write where you can persuade others you can put a point across where you have collated research and and the thing is you, you can do that when you're at university you can write for your university newspaper you can take part in um research events you can um team up with others you can collaborate you can get involved in a startup you could start a business but all of these are very much left to the onus of the student and while that is helpful because many students will take up the initiative and do their own thing there are many students who do benefit from structure and i'm one of them i think i work best within structures so in a degree where i've been told okay you show up to a few seminars once a week the rest of it you just do a ton of reading by yourself i'm not sure that necessarily translates into the practical um desirable qualities of the working world so that would be great i don't know if anybody from a university management level is listening to this but i will say you know if, if anyone if you are at university at the moment and you're not entirely sure how your university experiences translate into real world examples that companies and organizations will value maybe some of that is because of the way your degree is designed because i will say in contrast if you look at the science degrees medicine they do have certain elements that set them up for the working world and the transition is much smoother and that that might be something we we need to consider in the communication social sciences kind of faculty um moving on from that sorry i'm just trying to think about how to give you advice that's valuable <laughs> I think I I also want to acknowledge that this stuff is just really hard. Um I saw a TikTok the other day. By the way, how great is TikTok? <laughs> It swallows up entire hours of your life, but at the same time, content is just so creative. <laughs> but but on on the more serious side, I saw a TikTok that a boy made about how since 2019 he's been rejected from jobs 20 times. And I, and I think we we don't often voice how common this experience is this cycle of rejection of getting your hopes up and pitching yourself and applying for jobs and and then being told again and again no no it's not going to work sorry you know when when I, I can't think of other feelings in the world in terms of careers that feel as bad as this when you open an email and you get the first line thank you thank you for your submission Fortunately, we regret to inform you of this instance we will not be moving forward with your application. That sucks. And if you haven't heard that on a podcast before, then please take solace in me confirming this very much sucks. It's really hard to psych yourself up and present yourself confidently every time to just be told again and again, no, no, no. But I'm not here to dwell on that. I 
just want to validate the frustration that anybody might be feeling if you've been through that process. Um, if you are still at university, what I would recommend is really demanding a bit more from your institution. I've seen a lot of university students speak about this in terms of mental health provision and bigger aspects, but I mean in terms of career support. I really think if you have any career guidance meetings, if you don't, first of all, please see if you can set them up. The university should work for you, not the other way around. So try doing a bit of research about who you could speak to, whether that's a personal tutor, whether that's a career service, a graduate service, and make your questions really specific. So if you have a consultation or a meeting, and if you, you could ask them a question such as, this industry, this work that I want to do needs X, Y, Z skills from me. I don't have these skills just now. Does the university have any provision for me to, to attain these skills? So, you know, let's say, for example, you were involved in some kind of application where they want evidence of uh, coding. And even if you don't know how to code, does the university have a beginner's work program two, three weeks that you could do online? Could you ask a member of staff who runs programs like this? You know, I'm, I'm probably not coming up with things that are revolutionary, but I am saying uh, demand more, ask for more. Never be satisfied with what you've been given. If it's not good enough, it's not good enough. The job market is ruthless. So while you still have this resource, the university that should be accountable to you as a student um, yeah speak up and ask for more beyond that thinking about kind of grad schemes types of work you want to do grad schemes are helpful in the sense that there's a very structured program once again if you enjoy a structure if it works for you you should probably think about whether that would be beneficial I would really look at the vision of the company or the organization and where you could go. So one of the reasons why I applied for the Teach First grad scheme was really because it feels like Teach First is an organization with links to many others. And I will say a year, a year, two years since finishing the grad scheme, um, it's true. Teach First has given me an incredible network, the network that helps me as a professional, that helps me, you know, running this podcast. I get to have conversations and reach out to other professionals to build connections, to collaborate for future projects, to speak at events. And I think all of that is possible because of that initial point of contact that I had through the grad scheme and the recognition that I get if I'm just saying, yes, I've, I've completed Teach First. So have a think about, and a lot of it just involves research, which is a bit boring, but just hours of sitting there and researching. You do feel better for it because you just go into any situation with more knowledge, you know, rather than just applying for something and going along with it and realizing a few years down the line, it's not what you wanted. Um, the other thing that I will say is to look for meaningful work that aligns with your values, whether paid or unpaid. So what I mean by that is, let's say you're someone who's interested in issues to do with everyday people health education welfare 
you can obviously get involved in official ways. You could end up doing a job, a paid job. Maybe you've thought about joining the civil service. Maybe you've thought about working at some kind of think tank, getting involved with research. So that's one aspect of it. But let's say you don't want it to be an official job title, but in some way each week you would like to get involved in activities that give you a wider sense of how public sector organizations work. I would really recommend just starting looking at charities and volunteering. You know, volunteering in person is not possible at the moment, but if you could look up any virtual meetings that volunteer organizations have. One of the projects I'm going to give a shout out to is the Access Project. So the Access Project is an organization that teams you up as a tutor with a student who needs some one-on-one kind of coaching and tutoring and it helps narrow the attainment gap that many students from disadvantaged communities have to grapple with. So I'll add that as some information later on when when the episode is released. But I would really start small, think about specific organizations you come across where you really value the work that they do and have a look at whether you could get involved in any form of volunteering capacity. Maybe media, maybe press relations, maybe the design element, the arts element, maybe social media, promotion, brand partnerships, um, or just the day-to-day operational management of, of these organizations might help. You never know where your next skill set will come from. So just be curious and, and always be open to opportunities. That doesn't mean we do everything for free for months on end, but it does mean make use of what exists out there and then try and use it to your advantage. You know, for example, if you if you manage to do some work for a charity where you had to do a bit of networking, you had to reach out to other organizations to build some form of collaboration. then what you can always do with that is later on when you're applying for a job you can say you have engaged in you know stakeholder relationships building partnerships I know sometimes it means oh are you really dressing up what you've done but the fact is sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we have done Um, so yeah just just something to think about there I guess I think the other thing in your 20s is also to remember that don't throw away developing the rest of yourself for the sake of perfecting a career path. I think I've got a lot of friends who we all were so consumed by the fear of what we wouldn't become and and to some extent I think that still consumes us that we forgot to explore other parts of ourselves like What does our playful time look like? What do our hobbies look like? What does our self-care look like? What does our mental health reset days look like? I know that if I had those routines in place, I just think in every aspect of it, my life would have been easier. So what I did when I finished uni, I really threw myself, well, I had no choice really, but the program that I was part of was quite brutal in that sense. You have to throw yourself into the deep end. But before I went into that, if I had a better system of routine and looking after myself, 
it, it just makes you better you know when you dip into your personal life when you invest in your personal development you see the benefits of it in, in your professional world as well whether that's therapy whether that's exercise socializing hobbies side projects which is why i'm reluctant to say you know your career is just about interviewing really successful people and saying what is your tips for success like as much as i find those kind of chats inspiring um there is a there's a birds eye view to someone's career that i really i, I think that's what that's what's really useful as well so that was a lot of me rambling but i really did try and include something that i thought would be useful yeah job hunting sucks and planning out your career and deciding how how you want how you want to work is very daunting but i think it's daunting for most of us maybe there's some comfort in knowing that and hopefully with the conversations that you're going to see in the future on the podcast the insight into other people's lives will give you that comfort and that solace and maybe a bit of confidence as well to know that you can forge your own path and that will be very exciting you get to design your life you get to be chief architect and and it will be beautiful so i will leave you with that i hope wherever you're listening to this from this has brought you some kind of happy vibes cuz that's really what i was going for <laughs> and i guess i will see you for the next episode thanks so much for joining